0: Thank you for joining our next keynote session. Uh, you know, it's interesting. There are companies uh, here down in the lower 48 states that have already figured out how to get nuka like results in their self-insurance plans. And uh, as was mentioned out earlier, it always comes down to being able to think differently and start to structure the problem in in different and in unexpected ways in order to get better patterns and better service delivery both for the patients but also to organize the care delivery around it and our two speakers right now dr janice johnston and dr david berg are the co-founders of redirect health which is a company that has essentially been able to recreate these same types of principles uh, down here out of arizona of all places they're a husband and wife they moved from Toronto, Canada, down to Arizona 26 years ago. And the, uh, the concept being that they were able to bring the best parts of Canadian care and that sort of mentality and, and bring that to the best parts of American care as well and blend those together. Uh, the results in their company with redirect are unbelievable. They, uh, they've been re- reproducing these results, high degree of consistency now for about 13 years and the costs are so affordable that even for their own employees, they've been able to cover 100% of the care uh, and 100% of the cost, and with no copays, no deductibles, or or anything like that as well. And uh, also, before they speak, wanted to encourage everyone to listen to the Entrepreneur MD pod that includes uh, Doctors Johnston and, and Berg. It, it, the link is included in there. Uh, in their uh, display uh, virtual booth uh, here. Uh, They also have a free book, A Business Owner's Guide to Ending the Fight with Healthcare, that is a must read and goes through the process that they've used and uh, outlines why they feel like, hey, the the fight with healthcare is both achievable and it's been proven and demonstrated. And excited to be able to learn a little bit more about that today. And with that, uh, turning it over to Dr. Berg and Dr. Johnston. Thank you, thank you, Lee. All right.
1: Thank you as well.
0: Oh, terrific.
2: All right, so let's start with uh, the concept of ending the fight with healthcare. When we first wrote this, it was called fighting healthcare. And uh, even though Janice and I have for years felt like we are in a fight with uh, with healthcare, uh, we do think it's over now for any company that wants it to be over. So we've changed the title of the book. This is the third version of it. Uh, We've updated it. But we've really just, it it chronicles a little bit of what we've learned along the way as we've made healthcare affordable for us um, and our families and our companies and our employees and their families. And um, when Janice and I moved from Canada, we thought it would be much easier than it was, but we learned it was a very, very complex system. And in order to make it work, and the math wouldn't work for us. And in order to make it work for our employees, um, we, we just couldn't figure out how to make the American insurance system, if you will, work. So at the end of the day, we created our own system, one that made sense. And um, and as we're building our practice at the time, 26 years ago, and including uh, taking care of our own employees and their families, we had to ask them as the uh, as the customer, like, what do you want? What's, what's missing in the system right now? Because we knew we couldn't afford the existing system. So what Janice and I are going to talk to you about today um, – we, I mean, everything we heard from Doug and April Rubnuka System, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's what we believe in. All the philosophy, it matches up um, with everything that we've been thinking and that we've been doing. It was a, log- a lot of it's logical, logical conclusions that we came to. And, but what I'd like to focus on, have Janice and I focus on, is for the businesses out there, of, well, how can you take, like, really easy baby steps to get some of, just to get started? To get some of these benefits um, that might be harder to get if you've got some constraints like we did around money. Right? There, we, we don't have any funding when we're doing this. We have to do it for our set for out-of-profits and, um, and cash flow and all of our clients do also. So you've got to, you're going to have some constraints that you're going to have to work through. So we want to give you some practical things you can be considering so that you can manage through those constraints and get started. Um, and don't worry if you don't get the same results that uh, the folks that Nuca are, are getting up in Alaska. Um, you can get your own results. You've got your own people, you got your, they, to serve, you've got your own needs for your company. and we want to help you with that. So what I want to give you is this encouraging news that you can make healthcare work for your company. You can do it. And when I say work, I mean for everyone in your company. You can make it work for everyone in your company, not just the folks with the higher wage earners, but I mean everybody, the lowest wage earners in your company. If you think about it, and maybe this is the the Canadian part of us, it would never be acceptable in Canada to only cover or take care of half your family. And similarly, it wouldn't be practical, it would just be bad to not take care of 100% of our business family also. So this is about making healthcare work for your company and everyone in it. And that means making it better, making it faster, and making it more affordable. Let's be real about the real constraints that we're facing in businesses. It is about the affordability. In Canada, access, we saw access being limited by a lack of resources, meaning doctors and hospitals and services and MRI machines. In the United States, the typical American has the same kind of limitation to access, but it's usually because of cost. Now, I'm sure there's other reasons too, but cost is a big constraint. And if we ignore that, the chance of us making it work for everyone in our company, um, well, we're not we're not your people because we don't know how to do it. So it's really about we have to make sure the money works. So goals for today: number one, there's I'm going to share some key principles um, in thinking to make your healthcare work better. There's 10 of them. I'm going to go through them fast, um, and I'm just going to give one point though. So you I could dive in, do a, a day or an hour on each one of these principles, but I want to make sure you've got some key principles that will. If you just take them to heart, maybe you can't do all of them today, but maybe next year you get a couple more in. and The year after, you get a couple more in. And then I want to, number two, I want to make sure that Janice is going to talk about some just some really, really minor benefit design improvements. And we've got an example of our exact benefit structure um, in our vendor, in in our uh, virtual booth. And you can look at it and copy it all you want. Uh, It's not copywritten. And a lot of it's just logical sense. Um, but some basic benefit design changes you might want to make to your health plan, um, assuming you've built the flexibility into your health plan. And then number three, the affordability. And I just want to share with you um, how to get costs. We think the target for a working population is about $4,500 per person annually. And But there's some simple things you can do to get it to five, dollars $6,000 per person annually. All in, that means what they spend, what you spend, what everybody spends. But you've got to do some different type of thinking on it. All right, ready to get going. Okay, ten key principles. Number one, it's about the system, and Janice will talk about that a lot more too when she's talking uh, talking about the healthcare journey. But it's not just about the doc, better doctors, better insurance. A system is about where it's, and it's not a systems not even about the parts. Uh, Doug talked about complex system theory, and I love that stuff. I geek out on it. I won't go into it here, but there is a way of thinking about a complex system, designing it, engineering it. There's also a way to manage it. That's different. And, but the main thing I want you to know is that we've got to think end-to-end, got to think about it as a system. Don't think about it as its parts. And it's really about making sure there's rela- the relationships between all the parts, between all the doctors and the pharmacy benefit managers and, and your brokers and advisors, all the parts, 100 parts, that the relationships fit together in an integrated way. Principle number two, start with vision. You have to get clear on who your health plan, your health system is supposed to serve and what success looks like. If you don't get clear on that you want to serve—sort of just your executives, or just your managers, or your everyone in your health on your team, or maybe it's just the people who have the higher incidence of work injuries. If you don't get clear on who and how you want to take care of people, let's face it: the executives in your company are going to have a different need than your um, frontline workers who are um, prone to injury. So, if you're not clear on who you want to serve and what success looks like for those different people in your company, don't be surprised if the vendors of healthcare don't have a really good idea who your system is there to serve them, obviously. Principle number three, everyone in your company. I strongly advise companies figure out a way to make their system fit for everyone in their company. You can be a recruiting machine if you do it. Putting free healthcare in your job ads um, is the number one way that we've seen for ourselves and over 1500 clients. Um, be competitive in a labor market, regardless of the, 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 how weak or strong the labor market is. You put recruit, you put free health care in your job ad, or like in our case, free health care, entire family, um, don't be surprised. If you get way more resumes than you can even handle, and don't be surprised if you have to come up with a new way of sifting through resumes. But I would strongly encourage you to focus on that word, everybody, everyone, and ask them. They are the customers of your company, if you will, and ask them what they need. Ask them what are the constraints that they're facing. And a lot of times it might be something as simple as, um, I thought that medication was $300. I didn't know it was only $2.14. That could be the constraint. So focusing on everyone will change some of the things you do in your company. And you will not find um, today, unfortunately, a a traditional vendor of healthcare thinking about everyone in your company. They will only be thinking about everybody who can afford it or everybody you will pay for. Number four, healthcare consumerism. Now, that sounds like a a great word to most people. Sounds like a positive word, and it used to be, and I used to think it was, but I'm going to say it's a bad bet if your goal really is everyone. This system is just way too complex right now, and to think that anybody but the most motivated, the uh, the people with time or money to spare, or the people who are maybe a little bit uh, smarter, or maybe even people who have had a lot of practice with the healthcare system. But if you want everybody, I'm going to encourage you to just just put that healthcare consumerism mindset aside, because it really doesn't work if your goal is everybody in a company. Principle number five. Get used to imperfect behavior and inconsistent results. Just be okay with it. This system is so complex right now. Um, We don't have to be perfect for the system to work, for your system to work. But what you do have to do is you have to get clear on who you're serving, what success looks like. So when you're off track a bit, you can make the appropriate adaptations. Just like any complex system management of a complex system, it's it's really about noticing when you're off path and then adapting and readjusting. So that's a key principle for managing your system. Again, these principles, you don't have to put them all in play, but have them in the back of your mind. And the more, and don't be surprised if two years from now, a lot of these start to materialize and you don't even know uh, what you did to start them. Key principle number six, pick the low-hanging fruit. And there's some low-hanging fruit out there. The orthopedic surgery, um, Chad Gray is here at the Aspirational Health Conference and uh, he's a company called IMC and they do just a spectacular job of managing of, of, presenting the numbers on the savings for when you get in front of orthopedic surgery. And you do that with um, really organized, highly accessible, affordable, uh, pre-surgical musculoskeletal therapies, whether it's chiropractors, massage therapists, physical therapists. I like it when they all work together. I like it when they work together with primary care. I like it when you add a little pain management in there. Um, there's some low-hanging fruit, but there's some other ones, too. Make sure your plan is taking care of diabetes and asthma. Do not let somebody run out of their insulin or not dose their insulin properly uh, because they can't afford a 70-cent glucose strip and then end up in the ER. There's some low-hanging fruit. As a principal, understand what they are in your business. They might be a little different in your business than um, in my business or, or somebody else's. If you have a law office, it's going to be traditional. It'll be a little bit different than if you're working in a, if your company is a construction company. Number seven, don't trust the experts. You know, Use us, but understand that we all have biases, especially when it comes to our money. And uh, I spent a lot of years when I moved down here from Canada, Janice and I did, where we just were asking everybody, how do we do this? Why do we do this? And I will tell you that there were pieces of, um, there were nuggets from everybody, but nobody connected all the dots for us. And it actually led us astray and we spent a lot more money and time than we ever needed to. And in the end, I wish we had just trusted our own instincts a lot sooner. Um, quite frankly, it took us about 10 years where we just trusted uh, the opinions and advice of others. When we started trusting our own e- instincts and uh, making it make sense to us, holding the system, holding the, um, um, the people accountable to, making, uh, to being logical and making it make sense, we started saving a lot of money in our business. Principle number eight, copy others, but don't copy them exactly. Um, your people and your company are different. Um, you're not gonna have the same um, funding structure that NUCA has. You don't have the same people you wanna serve. The NUCA system is the best system in the world for who they serve and uh, the resource they've got available to them. And as Doug pointed out, they overcame some amazing odds to get it done. Um, if they can do it, I- I'm sure that uh, you can do it too. And if Janice and I can do it, um, to uh, doctors from Canada, I'm sure you can do it too. Principle number eight, your plan should get smarter every year. And the only way that's possible is you have to own your data. There's a lot of misconception out there about privacy and HIPAA and w- whether you can own it or not. Here's, let's make it really simple. This helped me a lot. If I ever use data and it hurts somebody or i use using in a way I can get accused of hurting somebody or holding somebody down from a promotion or not hiring somebody, that's just bad. It's just not the right thing to do. But there's nothing wrong with having the data managed in such a way, analyzed in such a way, so we know uh, where people are going to need help. So we can anticipate their clinical needs, but also anticipate their uh, the obstacles they might have, whether that's getting time off work or childcare or, um, or money. But your plan should get smarter every year. And if you don't own your own data, um, there's not a whole lot anybody can do to help you with it. You're really at the... Uh, um, you're, you're really counting on the insurance company um, as a vendor to give you the information you need. And number 10, it's always a team effort. And this is one of the biggest things here. I saved it for last. So often, and I made this mistakes uh, for years, is I want to hand this off. My HR person is working with my broker. Just You guys just deal with it. Tell me the best options and I'll pick one. But really, there, are, there aren't options. What we've learned over the years is that the best company plans, healthcare plans happen when this happens, when the CFO makes sure the money's available. And when if you need the money for everybody, that means you got to lower the cost for everybody, or you could blow your budget. The HR person's job is to make sure that everybody understands the plan and is, uh, and, and is using it properly. And then the CEO's job is to make the strategic decisions understanding the vision for the plan and who it's to serve and what are the outcomes you're looking for be very if the CEO's job is very intentional with strategy because in my opinion there is no company that should spend a dime on healthcare if they don't know how to get a return on investment that's my belief on it, and uh, I believe that'll be the belief of many CEOs, too. And matter of fact, we talk to CEOs in the companies that we serve. The number one thing they tell us is my, the, that they want is their health plan needs to be a hiring advantage for them. And then it also is a, is a retention advantage, and it can help with injuries and, and things like that and keep their injury costs down. And number two and three are accessibility and affordability. But being a hiring advantage is the first thing. So let me hand it over to Janice now.
1: Thank you, David. Um, I'm Janice Johnston. I'm the Chief Medical Officer with Redirect Health. I'm also a family physician. And so had a lot of experience in terms of treating patients in the traditional um, healthcare journey. And that's what I wanted to speak to you um, about here first. And then uh, David will kind of pick it up and see how we beefed it up um, for our company first for our own employees to kind of think about healthcare in a different way to make it more effective and efficient and to really have a system that supported um, the primary care uh, team. So uh, going through the traditional healthcare journey, David, do you want to put that up? I think it's important that we follow the journey, but we also follow where the money is um, as well and uh, you know a lot of time we don't think about the money aspect but in terms of creating a system for yourself and a solution for you and your employees you have to think about both in the traditional world care um, typically will start with the primary care doctor although sometimes patients and and your your employees will will skip that step and go right to the end um, where I'll show you and they might go right to the emergency room or right to a specialist. So with primary care, we think of that as the routine um, types of things, the checkups, the well childs, the checking your blood pressure, you know, uh, getting a, a cough, cold or flu, that kind of thing. Um, making sure that that there's uh, accessible labs, there's prescriptions, there's access to uh, imaging. Uh, basic kind of imaging. And then we think about musculoskeletal injuries. Um, Musculoskeletal uh, types of complaints probably make up about uh, 25% of what we see in primary care. And so making sure that we address that I think is really, really important. As the patient will will progress through the journey, uh, oftentimes they will end up um, in a specialist office and will require some advanced imaging. Of course, advanced imaging can happen either in a freestanding facility or in a hospital. And knowing where your employees are going for these um, types of services really makes um, a big difference. So, And then from there, then they advance uh, often to surgery or needing some more advanced, what we call specialty drugs. Think of medications that you see advertised on television, um, like Humira or Intivio, chemotherapy agents, those kinds of things. Uh, dialysis, organ transplant, um, nursing, home nursing, um, going into a rehab facility, those kinds of things. And as you advance um, through the system, the costs just continue to get higher and higher. With our model, what we've really um, focused on is to support the primary care at the beginning of the journey to make sure that they have um, all the support and tools that they need to make sure that the transition to the next step, when it needs to happen, happens in a really organized, um, supported way. So no balls get dropped. It's not just sort of, there you go, go to the next step and not not be following that patient or uh, the customer through that that journey. And by doing so, um, we can actually take some of the, the funding that might go towards the end and try to redirect it back Um, both in to support these primary care um, programs um, that we've developed, but also put it back into the employer's pocket so that they can come up with other ways to uh, either help to offset the costs um, of premiums, which we have so many um, of our clients do. We support thousands of companies now. And so they um, actually bear the brunt of the the whole healthcare journey um, for their employees. And uh, it's it's so so meaningful, and uh, they they get amazing care uh, in the process. All right. So, David, well, I'll I'll turn it to you, and you can um, speak to how uh, we we consider it a little bit different with our primary care navigated journey.
2: Great, and it, what what I want to do is I want to keep it really really high level, and I just, I want to get the concept out there because if I make it, I could spent hours on this and how we engineered it, how we built it, but I want to get the thinking out there first. And um, <clears throat> like I said, we figured it out on our own years and years and years ago. I'm sure other people are gonna be able to figure it out too. Um, our, the journey start has all these components that Janice just talked about. But what we've done is we've surrounded the primary care and we expanded it to include the other everyday care things. Um, including a very solid musculoskeletal program. But we always start with population health. We always start with it. And um, there's so much to population health, but let me just key on some basic things, really basic. If you're an employer, find a way to collect information from your people at least once a year, but really ongoing. Um, That's it all in a private way. And there are ways to do it, but you got to what we, when we get the information before the plan year even starts, it allows us to um, do some pop- hit the ground running. We have a whole program for it. We want to know who, who's got diabetes, who's who's got asthma, who hit the emergency room six months ago because they ran out of an asthma inhaler. We want to know the information and the data on that population, that company, everyone in that company, so that we can anticipate what their clinical needs are going to be in the future, including tomorrow. Uh, but also we can anticipate what the officers are going to be and And if somebody ends up in an emergency room because of of a childhood asthma, it's usually not because the asthma got really bad. It can be quite often because they ran out of the asthma inhaler or the babysitter didn't have the asthma inhaler or the teacher didn't have it. So population health is the starting place for surrounding and supporting uh, our primary care model and the primary care model that I would uh, encourage every business to to put in place. And before you have people actually go into an office, you wanna make sure that there's a virtual first primary care available to them. And that's a little different than the normal telehealth that's being sold today, but we're seeing more and more of of this concept of virtual first. That doesn't mean virtual instead. There's a lot of the original uh, telehealth services were really promoting themselves as virtual instead of brick and mortar. We see it being a combination and this is being the entry point, Um, but not just, um, where we have to take complete history. I'm talking about where we have the complete medical records at our fingertips. And, again, Janice is going to share with you some things you can do to just get started with that, and it would mean hiring a nurse or doing something else, just doing uh, doing something a little more at an advanced level. But getting a virtual first primary care solution into your plan where the medical records are at, um, at the fingertips of the professionals answering the phone um, is critical to supporting the, the primary care. And getting the records ready and, and supporting the everyday care. Um, the other thing that I would, I would add is that um, the other thing I can add is after the fact, after you get the primary care visit, lot sometimes you're going to need specialists and advanced imaging and the more expensive cost centers. And what's really important is you set up the, some sort of system in your company. If you can, now I'm getting a little bit advanced on this, but if you can set up the system so that physicians, are talking to physicians and doing case management, uh, you're going to find that the amount of care that happens is a lot less. And the, and when you do need care, it'll be a lot more streamlined. And I want to just hit really quickly on the second opinion. Um, what we've seen over the years, when we started doing healthcare in the United States, we thought that a second opinion was, we send a patient from one doctor to another. What we realize now is that we always got the same answer for the most part, or if we didn't get the same answer, it's often confusing which one was right. What we do today, which is much more effective, is we get the primary care provider to speak with both specialists and to share what the first specialist thought was the diagnosis, what the prognosis was, what the treatment plan was, and then to go and share that treatment plan with another specialist of the the same uh, specialty and then to figure out between the three of them, the three professionals, what's the best route of care. That can seem kind of expensive because you're bringing other doctors in, but if you pay attention to where it is in front of the higher cost centers, you'll see you'll save a lot of money with this. Janice also mentioned that during this healthcare journey, if you really wanna take care of the, all the dimensions of the customer going through it, you better take care of the clinical, that's obvious, but we got to pay attention to the money also, because we've got to make sure we can fund it. And we have to take care of the logistics and the customer experience, somewhat of a, the triple aim. And there are alternative funding management. There, there's alternative funding management that you can do in your health plan. And because some of your people are going to qualify for various programs, Medicaid, Medicare programs, patient assistance programs. A lot of these medications, if you've designed your plan correctly, um, you can design out some of the coverage so you can actually get the care for free or at a very significantly lower cost that can be paid for in another way through your plan. And I saw that David Contorno was at this uh, at this conference and uh, um, David is an expert of setting up the plan design so that um, when alternative funding is available to somebody and we, we can use it, including the patient assistance programs. And of course, we this managed the insurance Well, as a primary care team, if we can, there's no sense in making somebody have two deductibles because we don't plan the timing of it. That could be a a killer for somebody being able to afford it and even not going bankrupt. Because remember, at the plan year, it all turns over and the deductible starts all over again. So this is the healthcare journey that takes money that accumulates at the, the end of the journey and it redirects it back into the beginning of the journey and there's a lot of money that's freed up when we do that. And we care a lot about the real ecosystem that people um, exist in. And we've got to make sure that our care plan, our healthcare journey that we uh, that we give to them, that it complies with their lives and their ecosystem. It's our job to comply with, uh, with our customers. Very similar what we heard from Doug in, uh, at, with the Nuca system. And it's, uh, we care a lot about freeing up, freeing up the money. And uh, I, I want to get rid of the stigma of, that's often seen in medicine, that it's great clinical care and money have to be separated. If you don't take care of the money, do will be surprised you can't provide great clinical care to everyone in your company. They go hand to hand. And uh, so Janice, I hand it off to you.
1: Yeah, so um, really we need a system that is working together and, um, you know, all of these things that David has mentioned, they're all pieces of the puzzle and, but we have to make sure that they all fit and flow um, really, really well um, together. So while having all these pieces is important, it's not just, you know, reaching into a bag and picking out a piece and and running with that. It all has to be really, really um, well oiled and having a primary care system on steroids, so to speak, um, where the handoffs happen easily, both between the, the providers of the care, but also to the customer or the patient itself. Um, that's the most important thing. So um, and we really, really want to make sure that people are getting the care that they need and not getting the care that they don't need or the care that they don't um, uh, necessarily need right now, too. So it's it's really important to make sure that um, every customer has a good plan going forward and every person is different. So. Um, What I wanted to do um, here is to really just kind of go over five things that you can think about to um, add or change with your own benefit um, plans. The number one thing that I uh, can recommend to you is to eliminate the costs of going to see a primary care and all the things that are associated with what we call everyday care, the common types of things. Having a $10 copay, $20 copay, $50 copay, or even a deductible requirement to go see a primary care is a huge barrier to people. And often um, what we find is that people will put off their health care because they just don't want to spend just even a minimal amount um, to get to the primary care. So that's one of the things that we uh, started very early on when we started to think about our own company to redesign what was important to our team. And it made a huge impact um, just just, uh, in terms of the accessibility and the affordability for our company. And now, of course, we've moved into um, other companies as well. And this is something that's worked really well. Everyday care um, for us includes the primary care visit, well, where it could be um, for, through virtual. And, of course, uh, David mentioned that we like the virtual first um, uh, uh, idea. And we think that virtual first can be used in any situation. And I know that that seems a little weird. So how are you going to treat my, um, you know, appendicitis through virtual medicine? Well, um, through speaking to a primary care physician virtually first, we can get a good idea that, hey, this does sound like appendicitis. We're going to bypass the urgent care and get you right to the emergency room, get you right to the care that, that you need right away. Um, versus, you know, you call with pink eye, you know, it's, it sounds like pink eye smells like pink eye, let's treat it and follow up with you tomorrow. So all of that is going to be um, at no uh, uh, out of pocket. So um, everyday care also includes all the, the, the basic level, um, the blood tests, the vaccinations, the x-rays, um, those types of things. And we also include um, uh, addressing uh, musculoskeletal care. So in the second one, zero a dollar copay for musculoskeletal care, both in the pre-surgical type of situation, and I can tell you over and over again, where we think someone is going to need surgery, but if you really start rehabbing them appropriately and remove the barriers to cost for that, uh, oftentimes the surgeries can be avoided and prevented, or when if they do go to have surgery they're that much stronger and prepared for the rehab afterwards. Can get back to work that much better. Um, as I mentioned before, um, pain issues represent um, probably about a quarter of what we see in primary care. And uh, you know, to uh, go after and try to really tackle some of these um, issues that that employees will will face um, in a in a way that. Um, can avoid medication so we're you know very very conscious of uh, making sure that we're giving the most appropriate care and if we can get people back on their feet doing their own programs at home even doing some simple programs that 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 uh, seems to work really really well um, for us um, the third point um, is really incentivizing and teaching your employees how to make some good decisions so too often what we see is that people don't understand how to use their healthcare program that they, that they have. They have a card and they think that they need to use that card um, for everything. But often we find that if we know the cash price upfront, it can be much different and much more affordable than using an insurance option. So to make sure that that people know that um, really, really can can be helpful and save um, your employees a lot of money. Um, The fourth point um, here is about pharmacy spending. And I would um, encourage all of you to get your your employees uh, with an app similar to uh, Godarex is one that's very, very common. Uh, commonly used, um, so that they can see what the cost of medications is at their local pharmacy or even the one across the street. There are wide uh, variations in terms of cost of medications. Um, but also, this has worked really, really well for our company, is to have your pharmacy benefit um, manager just pay for the actual cost um, uh, uh, of the drug plus the, the small little transaction fee. Too often, there's a huge markup that happens there. And that, of course, isn't benefiting um, your employee or your your plan as a whole. And then the fifth thing, um, really, if you want to take it to the next level, um, is to involve um, some population health. Um, So to hire uh, a nurse manager, someone who can really, really work um, with your population to dive deep into what they what they need and who needs some some support and care navigation, making sure that they have the medications that they need, are there barriers to care that they can help them um, move through. Uh, we call ours uh, care logistics, um, and it's worked really, really well to have an advocate on your side, to have somebody reach out to you in a in a meaningful way to know when it is that you're going to be running out of your medications, to know when you're going to be due for your um, lab work. You know, hey, I saw a specialist yesterday to reach out to you that day or the next day to make sure that we know what the treatment program is so that we can shift gears and make sure to guide you and uh, to remove any barriers of care that might present itself. So when we look at what that cost is um, per employee with this type of program. when you have a really good primary care system in place, um, uh, earlier we heard that it was uh, they were looking for a goal of around7, thousand um, dollars. We're finding you know with a good primary care system in place, we're looking at about five to um, six thousand dollars. But even by um, instituting some of the things that, that I just mentioned, those five points, you could get to about $4,500 per year per employee. And, and that's a significant savings um, overall. Uh, with our own employees, we've been tracking this for many years now, and uh, our average is around $2,000. And so we we have a, a culture, a company culture, where we're very engaged with, with engaging with our system, engaging with our, our care logistics and our care navigators always doing virtual first. And we're, we've are we gotten it down uh, uh, to about $2,000 uh, per year, and that's been uh, sustained for many, many years uh, for us. So if, if this is part of the um, thing that you want to focus on, uh, adding even just a few key elements, um, I think can make a big impact for you.
2: All right, so let's summarize, and uh, we're running to the end of our time. So um, your healthcare plan, and think of it as it's a system that has to work for you. That makes obvious, but you've got just make sure you've got the vision for what works for you means and it serves your people specifically. And uh, use primary care strategy. Use a primary care strategy. Think about eliminating unnecessary activity and spending. It's not just about reducing costs, not reducing the, the same cost of the same services. There's, there are a lot of services and activities that just don't need to be there. Um, even the, in, in like the administration of a copay. Um, the, it, it costs money that gets passed down to you. So think about your benefit design. What are the activities that, that might be indirect that you can eliminate also? copays are a big one that costs uh, healthcare plans a lot of money. And uh, enable, uh, make sure your health plan, your health system enables you to redirect uh, the spending that always will c- accumulate at the, the end of the journey, bring it back into your business or towards the beginning of the journey and make sure it's easy and truly affordable for your people to use. Um, what we found, and I mean, every company we work with has some sort of money constraint. We always had money constraints in our own company. So the way that we get people to want to do the things they wanna do and show the behaviors that we want them to, uh, to show, and not, I don't mean in a perfect way, but I mean in a better way, in a way that continues to get better is we have to make it easy and we have to get truly affordable, zero co-pays, in the things that we wanted them to focus on first um, was always the easy way. But we had to make it easy to get people to want to do what we wanted them to do. And um, I think your health plan system should be there to hire and retain, retain with. And um, I think it needs to be easy to budget year over year. And that will never happen if you don't have your da- data, you don't own it. Don't think because somebody told you a broker or an insurance company tells you you own your data, you can get your data, that you really can. Um, you need transactional data. Doesn't mean you look at it, but somebody on your team or somebody you hire needs to analyze your data, transactional data, so they know who is going to which hospitals for which conditions, who's paying $300 for a medication when they should be paying $3 for the same medication, who just spent $80,000 for a surgery when that surgery should have been $10,000. You need that transactional data and some of the analyze it, but don't be surprised if people aren't trying to fool you. The vendors of healthcare, even Walmart did not know that they didn't own their data before they switched from their last insurance carrier. You can get your data, but you have to ask for it. And then you have to verify that you got the transactional data you needed. So we're wrapping up and um, we might have a few minutes left for,
0: for questions, but I'll turn it over to you, Lee. No, terrific. This has been wonderful. Um, The, the, Yeah, and, and really has given us a lot to, to think about and, and a lot to work on. Uh, not much time for questions, but I think one one that I'd love to, to have everyone is encouraged to you and to visit your booth. How uh, decide where to refer? So if I'm in any town USA, does do my doctors decide where to refer to specialist Does the employer, do we do it together and using what data?
2: So the employer wouldn't, they'd they'd be out of the mix for sure. But it's a combination of our team, our medical team, the local medical team on the ground and the individual. And it it is a, just figure out what do we need? What's the most efficient way to get that and what's the most effective way and efficient way to pay for it. Those are, it's all part of that journey. So we think of that journey as just being done over and over and over and over and over again, every single day in a multidimensional way for, for people.
0: Terrific. Well, Thank you both for this, uh, this presentation. This is incredible and it's given us a, a ton that we can sink our teeth into and begin to work on. And uh, we look forward to learning more during the course of the conference and interacting with you at your at your booth and, and from that as well at the discussion sessions. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thanks everybody.